Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Hello, Sean. What's going on? Not much, Megan. How are you doing on this wonderful day? That was my attempt at a Newman voice from Seinfeld. Remember how he always be like, Newman? Remember that? Be like... Did you remember on Seinfeld? Yeah. So it didn't really work, but hello, Sean. You just sound a little creepy. Oh, I, might, I am a little creepy. Um, I am actually doing well today. It's I've had a morning where everything is going great. Like all the little things, like everything is lining up and it's nothing significant going on. Just, you know just all the little things that, that we're doing. And, but everything has been so hard. I think for the past, like, you know, for the past month or so, life has just been a challenge that it was nice to have a morning where everything just worked out. We have had completely opposite fucking mornings. Uh, sorry about that. It is what it is. It's just a day. It's another day. Yeah. You don't, and we don't control it. It just, it's, it's sometimes things go well and sometimes they don't. And I, I've often been thinking when things go what I'm calling bad, it's often just my perception of it. Like someone's driving too slow in front of me. I'm like, oh, my God, I got it. I'm labeling that as bad. But maybe it's just the universe telling me to slow down, which has, has been a common common theme in my life lately. But anyway. Today, this morning was was good so far, and I think this is going to be a funny podcast. I'm actually looking forward to to the laughs because we I think we have some good stories today. So do you want to tell everyone what we're talking about today? We are talking about um, funny runner stories, and I think we have several user-submitted stories, um, <laughs> some of which I have been a part of, some of which um, I have been regaled with on different runs with these several of these different runners that are our friends um some of which are probably mine i have some too i'm one of those people in life that if you ask me on any given day like what happened to you today i always have a story and i i always thought it was because i have four kids when you when i when you have four kids there's just a lot of energy and there's always a lot going on and kids are weird um but even if i go to the grocery store just stuff happens around me so i have i have many many weird things that have happened to me um when i've been you know alone in the woods or with somebody <laughs> but um yeah just weird, good, a few hallucinations to, to talk about. Um, it's always interesting. Yeah, it's it's never dull. Never a dull moment in your life. <laughs> I don't I don't have any good stories. I argue that I have very I don't know. 
Very boring. Well, one of my stories you you were present for. Yes. We could start. We could start off with that one. You want to start? Want me to do that? So, when you were pacing me, so they think this was 2018. One of my most epic hallucinations, and I, I, I have hallucinated many times while while running. You were with me, and I remember. You said to me, I was so I was doing a 72-hour race, and you said to me at one point, Meg, you're acting a little weird. Are you seeing things? It's like, no, I'm not hallucinating. Totally not. And then a minute later, you're like, I think you're hallucinating. And I remember saying, no, I'm not hallucinating. I'm just seeing things, and sometimes I don't know if they're real. So, and then you just, then you let it go. Then you let it go. But what I was seeing was John Lennon. And John Lennon was running ahead of the two of us on the trail and just squatting on rocks or on the side of the trail, almost like a gargoyle, you know, with with his hands under his chin and just watching us. Right. And this kept happening. This was probably happening for about an hour or so. And I wasn't really talking about it because I knew it was weird. But finally, I just I think I started trying to talk to John Lennon and. I, that's when, that's when you chimed in like, Meg, who are you talking to? And basically John, I would try to talk to John Lennon. I'd be like, Hey, what's going on? And he would ignore me. He would just sit there and look at me just being a creeper. And it would happen again, happen again. And finally I got really mad at John Lennon because he was being a jerk and he was being weird and he was creeping me out. So I remember starting to argue with John Lennon and being like, look, if you're going to follow us on the trail, fine. If you want to run with us, that's okay. But what you're doing is really creeping me out and I'm not feeling comfortable with it. And I got really, really, really mad at John Lennon. And I finished that loop of, of the race and John, I just was so mad at John Lennon, so mad at him for following us and stalking us and not having anything to say and just being all watchy and judgy. So wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. He didn't want to talk. He never said a word to me. He just sat there, creeped on us and watched. And that's why you're a Paul McCartney fan now. Oh, my God. Well, John Lennon is is still remains my favorite Beatle. However, there is that lingering resentment of why, John? Why? Why wouldn't you just talk? And I think I'm, I'm I don't remember the conversations that I had with him at the various rocks and stumps and, you know, trail, you know, on the side of the trail for about an hour, but he just wouldn't talk back. He just watched me and judged, just judged me. It was mean. You, it was hurtful. Did you know that <laughs> I, so I was thinking and we, this is a total aside that Eric Clapton plays the guitar parts on why my guitar gently weeps the, the George Harrison isn't a talented or at least wasn't a talented enough guitarist to play those. And they had Eric Clapton come in and play them in studio. Yes, I did. I did know that pretty cool. Yeah. Bizarre little fact. Anyways, I digress. I, so I have <laughs> not had, I've had two races where I've had legitimate hallucinations um, one was death race and that was after being awake for 68 hours. The strongest I've ever hallucinated on non-psychedelics 
<laughs> so, <laughs> yes, these these hallucinations that Sean and I are talking about are not drug or substance induced. I mean, this is just lack of sleep and running for way too long. I I literally saw different fonts of different fonts floating up off of the ground in letters and floating in the air, <laughs> as well as other things. I saw at one point we were running through the woods. And I looked out over what looked like an open field, and there was like two giant uh, white Great Danes running through the fields with like just their heads kind of popping up in this person's front yard. But we're in the middle of the woods, so there was no yard. And then there is a picture of me that existed on a on a, a media page for obstacle obstacle course racing media, and it's a picture of me. Shun Young Park and some other some other uh, racer. I don't remember who it was, and I have no recollection of the picture whatsoever. And I've like asked the person who took it, like, when did this happen? And they're like, oh, X number of time. And I remember like sleepwalking at that point, and I was asking people during this point because I remember like kind of having pseudo out of body experiences where like I could like. I would see what was going on, but not be present in the action of what was going on. And I was asking if one of my friends was picked up by the TSA agents and he was under arrest. <laughs> um, and I was, and, and I literally, I was like, did James get picked up by the TSA agents? Is he, is he okay? And people were looking at me like, what is happening wrong with you? And literally, you know, what's effing wrong with you is that you're running for too long and you probably haven't slept. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was about 60, 60 hours into a race. Um, and I think I had just got done with a three-mile swim in Chittenden uh, Reservoir. So, good times. Um, that, was, <laughs> that was one of the hallucinations that, like, I've had. And then one was during my, uh, well, the most realistic ones that I've had. One was during my first hundred miler up in Virgil Crest. We were um, running back after being, I think we were only awake for at that point for like 25 hours or so, 20, 25 hours, somewhere in that range. And it was in the, the final, final stretch of, of trail. And I kept seeing um, another runner who was actually at that race. And um, his name is barefoot Jake Brown. I don't know if you know, or heard of him anyways. He runs. He used to run barefoot for all of his races, East Coast guy. And uh, he was like up on top of the hills, and he was like waving at us. And I was like, oh, I don't know how he's so far ahead of us because like we passed him so far back. Maybe he, maybe he's not racing anymore. Maybe he's like, just. But he's just there waving us on, in a in a plaid in a plaid shirt and shorts, barefoot. And I was like, oh, that's so nice of him. And then we would get up to the top of the hill, and he wouldn't be there. And then it'd be like the next hill I'd see him and he wasn't there. And so out of all the people for you to hallucinate. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. He was, he was at the race. It was like a, a point of like, right. Like every time you have those hallucinations, your brain trying to make sense of mm -hmm. what, what's going on and give you some form of comfort or whatever the case may be. And um, yeah, I was, I was hoping that he was there. So it would signify that I was close to the end of the race, I guess. I don't know. Well, we can get into, um, I can tell another, a user, a user sentence story for what happened at Virgil Crest. So Virgil Crest was my first hundred. It was also the first hundred 
that Jesse Howes and my buddy Matt Cadger uh, ran, and we all ran it pseudo together. Um, but it was all of ours first hundred during that hundred miler. Um, Matt has a story where he had to take a shit in the woods as we all occasionally do. And he was shitting. And like, after he got done, he looked down and he couldn't find, couldn't find his shit. And so he was like, and it's, it's dark and he's looking with a headlamp and he's like, fuck. He's like, and he's like, looking, he's looking. And so, and half delirious, late first hundred, very confused, comes out of the woods with his like shorts up and like half, well, half up, I guess, and has his pacer. He's like, he's like, can you like look, look over me and see if there's shit smeared on me anywhere or anything? <laughs> And so, like, he had his pacer do a complete, like, once over of him to verify if he had, like, shit on him and to clean him Ew. off if he did. He did Ew. not have, he, did, he, he said there was apparently no shit. And it must have, he must have shit on a hill and it just rolled down the hill. <laughs> and so he couldn't, he couldn't find it afterwards. So that, that brings us into pooping stories because everybody loves pooping uh-huh. stories. All right. So speaking of Hill, I have a story here from Rick and I'm going to read this. This is speaking, um, it, speaking of Rick. Rick is a very good shitter in the woods. He can squat down. <laughs> I've seen him do it. It's very impressive. <laughs> he has, he has um, a great squat. So Rick writes, and this was during um, Infinitus in Vermont and Mount Romance is um, is uh, is is also in Vermont. He writes, I was climbing Mount Romance during a 100 mile. I was dehydrated and lightheaded. I laid down on the trail as one does in that state. I drank a bit of water and then proceeded to throw up the contents of my stomach. In my weakened state, I still needed a few more moments to gather myself. As my, and as I was laying there, my own throw up ran down the mountain towards me and I didn't even make an effort to move out of the way. I have another write in here and this is from our friend Fernando and Fernando, I think his main motivation in life is pretty women. That's it. I mean, he would do anything. The guy would walk through fire. I think he'd get shot. I think anything, anything for a pretty woman. So this, this kind of fits. And he writes gunstock 50 miler got there the night before set up camp in this beautiful female runner. We'll call her Kate set up, camp next to me we got into talking she's from maine and this was her first ultra ever so big mouth ultra experienced and totally smitten dude started giving advice bragging about my hunt my hundreds we lined up the next morning and she caught up to me at three miles on the six mile course she set the pace and we ran five of the eight loops together i couldn't keep up She took off. I saw her at the end while she was eating, and I was about to die finishing the race. Not sure how to interpret her smile. She won the female category in eight hours, 55 minutes, 10th overall. I don't talk or share shit with runners at races anymore. I still got her number, though. (laughs) Priorities. Very, 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 Fernando. And another... Right. It was actually another write-in, and I'd forgotten about this. But our friend Nate was at work one day, and they were doing 
they were doing some, I don't know, some, you know, like motivation building thing or something. And anyway, so they did this, they did this motivation exercise, you know, team bonding stuff. And afterwards he and a co-worker chest bumped each other like a jumping chest bump well apparently this chest bump was way too aggressive and it literally knocked nate over and he fell and dislocated his knee so nate ended up in the hospital and he was limping at his wedding a month later and during this, he was also training for the Hartford Marathon, which I do believe he had to delay because of chest bump motivation exercise at work. So be careful. Be careful, everybody. Uh-huh. Just be careful when you chest bump each other. Consider uh-huh. this your PSA for the day. <laughs> yeah. So I've had some of the funnier running stories I've had have actually been marathon associated there was i was going for a boston qualifier at um the lehigh valley marathon which is one of the last qualifying marathons in on on the east coast and i was out there and jesse was also signed up for it and he was like i'll pace you through because jesse's a naturally faster runner than i am and he shows up and has no watch. So I'm like, how are you pacing me? Like, you have no watch. You have no idea what we're pacing. And he's like, he's like, ah, I guess I'm uh, the worst pacer ever. So I said, okay. <laughs> so we start off and it's a slight downhill start, kind of like Boston. And we're running like 652, 649. And I'm like, and Jesse's like, maybe we should back it off a little bit. I'm like, oh man, but I'm feeling so good. It's like downhill. And, uh, the trail follows, like, winds them through some streets and then follows a, essentially a crushed gravel stone rail trail until you hit the section where it goes through the town of Bethlehem and it kind of veers off. And at the first corner, turning into the town of Bethlehem, where it does kind of this uh, skirting around the town off of the rail trail, Bart Yasso is there. And I was like, oh, look, it's Bart Yasso. That's awesome because it's his hometown from where he's from. And it's, I think he might've had a lot to do with the race existing by the time we had made it halfway through that town. Now this is like 13 miles, right? So this was at like mile 11 and a half or 12, 13 miles. We come back out and hit the rail trail. Bart Yasso is on the other side, coming back in onto the rail trail, still cheering people on. And Jesse's like, Oh, there's Bart Yasso. I see him now. Like, saying hi and, he's, and I'm like and I'm completely out of it I'm like I don't what are you what are you talking about Yasso in the span of a mile I have gone from everything is awesome to this is the worst experience of my life and completely lost it in that mile and Jesse <laughs> Jesse loves that story he's like I've never seen anyone go from so good <laughs> to so bad in such a short period of time um, so I have a story this this happened to me, and this is when um, I had just moved. I had just moved to Austin, Texas, and I was in, I think, my junior year of undergraduate. And and I love I love storms, love storms. Like in my next life, I'm going to be a storm chaser. This is like my favorite thing in the world. So 
and I'm, I was living in Connecticut at the time. So Connecticut moved from Connecticut to Texas and it starts pouring rain. And if, you know, if you're down South, you understand that sometimes when it rains, it rains, it rains like buckets, you know, it rains so hard that sometimes you just can't see, but I was like, Ooh, cool running weather. And then it also started thundering and lightning. I thought, Oh yay, even more fun. Now that was my mistake right there. I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. I don't know, junior year, junior year in college. I don't, I don't remember, but so I'm on this run and I'm seeing ground strike lightning. I have never seen ground strike lightning. I mean, I grew up, you know, I grew up um, in New England and, you know, what you and I, we can see lightning come down, but we rarely, we rarely see it hit the ground because it's hilly here. We just don't see that. So I start to see ground strike lightning and I'm like, whoa, I've, I've never seen this before. This is cool. So I'm running and I was probably about a half mile from my apartment and the lightning went and it struck the ground in front of me. I'm really bad at estimating distances. Let's say, I don't know, 400 meters, 800 meters. I don't know. But the lightning went through the ground and up into me. So I got struck by lightning. And it it hurt. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's the thing. it hurt. I didn't even know what was going on. I just kind of stood there and I was like, it was one of those moments where I think I probably just said, whoa, no idea what was going on. So I was like, this isn't good. Like, holy cow. So I ran back to my apartment, got in my apartment and I turned on the TV and was just trying to like decompress. And I saw that a student at University, UT, University of Texas at Austin, had just gotten struck by lightning and died. So I thought, huh. So now the only conditions that I just don't run in are lightning, thunder and lightning. I'm very careful about that as being, you know, having been struck by lightning um, and ice. I don't run on ice, like when the trails are all icy. Um, the sad part about this story is I did not turn into a superhero. Isn't this like the, I always think like, this is the preface to a comic hold, book. Hold, hold on a second. The sad part about the story is not that the kid from UT died. It's that you didn't turn oh, into yeah. a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It was sad. I meant the sad part for me. I didn't know the kid at UT. So I, I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't turn into a superhero. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and. The real tragic was, part it, of the story was. <laughs> such an asset. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is I did, I did not go to the doctor. I did not go to the hospital. I do understand now, given my current profession and experience, what lightning strikes can, can potentially do to your heart in the different cardiac issues that it can cause after the lightning strike. Um, I took a shower, went out and went to the bar and got drunk. Oh, you're <laughs> Um, and, and nobody was around, like nobody saw it. This crazy thing just happened. And I, I was just like, ouch and whoa. And I don't think I'm ever going to run in a lightning storm again. Well, how about pass those, on that. I think there was what, um, hard rock. Uh, I think it was the year that Killian, 
dislocated his shoulder and finished with his using his pack as a, as a sling. Three runners got trapped by a lightning mm-hmm. storm and all got yep. struck by lightning. And they got hit so directly that one of them, their like headlamp was completely fried and like blown yep. up, like which is crazy to think yep. about. I, I can't. I can't explain the feeling. I don't have words. I mean, I've gotten electrocuted, like, you know, from an outlet or that kind of stuff, you know, in the house. But this level of systemic electricity in one's body is, I mean, it hurts. It's uncomfortable, but it's so mentally jarring. Um, Yeah. I don't ever want that to happen again, Um, ever, ever. So, if Probably it's, uh, so you, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> explains a lot about you, Megan. <laughs> that maybe I am a superhero. Maybe I'm a superhero and this is just like my disguise. Or maybe it like mentally broke you. <laughs> I was going in the other direction. I knew where you were going. I was just <laughs> going to push it a different way. <laughs> so, so I'm going to go back to, to shitting stories because everybody loves those. Um, God. This is less about... And I did not, I did not poop my pants when I got struck by lightning. Just so you know, I didn't poop or pee my pants. That does happen when people get struck by lightning. Thank God it didn't happen to me. Yeah, I mean, it might have happened if you drank enough at the bar later on that night. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But uh, I digress. So this is a story not about actually pooping your pants, but being covered in poop. In a different way. So one of our friends um, was on vacation in, in Turks and Caicos and was running. I don't remember how far he was. He was out running like maybe like a 10 or 15 miler and didn't bring any water with him. It's scorching hot. No, no shade whatsoever. Very exposed. Um, and he was like, he's like running by. All these beautiful resorts that are lining the beach, and a couple of them have their sprinklers on. He's like, "Oh man, I'm so smoked hot!" And so he went and he ran through several of the sprinklers to like cool off. Now, what he didn't know at the time was a lot of that water is repurposed water, and it's yes. sewage. It's sewage water. <laughs> so, so he he ran through it. Luckily, I mean, he didn't drink any of it, or so he says. And he gets done, and he's like, I, what, what, what is that smell? And he's like, can't, he's like, kind of like trying to like process what, what, like why it smells like, why he smells like, all of a sudden, all he can smell is shit. He's like, what, what is, what is going on? And he's like, and he's trying to process, and then, and then like the gears start churning, and like the points start clicking. He's like, fuck. So he barrels off and heads into, like onto the beach and runs out into the ocean and he's using using the sand as like abrasion to like <laughs> like clean himself off in, in in the ocean and he comes out of the ocean and this is like Turks and Caicos like with the, the beautiful white sand beaches like the most picturesque like places on the on the planet where they do a lot of swimsuit shoots and stuff like that and he comes out and there's like a Sports Illustrated cover model like being like shot in a swimsuit. And he's like, the first time I have like any interaction with like a supermodel of that caliber or anything like that. And I'm like covered in shit. And like, if just like <laughs> run into the ocean and try to like clean myself off and this whole like amazing scenery 
is going on around me and I couldn't even I couldn't even fathom to like put anything together other than just a book out of there. <laughs> Gross. I run through sprinklers a lot when I'm hot, so I could totally see myself doing that. Yeah, I did it. We were in um and I didn't do it. We were in uh I think I was on a cruise and we were in St. Croix or something like that and I was running through and I was like, huh. And the sprinklers were going off. And I could, and literally, it was just enough that I could smell them. And I was like, I don't think I want to run through that. I don't think that's where – I think I think the ocean is like where I'm going to go if I need to cool off. Lesson I'll, I'll learned. Yeah. And this was before he had that experience. And I was like – so as soon as he told me that, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Exactly. So my next story um, is another Texas story. It's my last. It's my last Texas story. Um, same, you know, same, um, maybe, maybe this was two or three years later. I think I was in graduate school at the time and I lived in this, you know, suburban neighborhood and we lived across the street from a university and there's a golf course, like really nice, really nice area. So I'm on my run and I'm running down the street and in the middle of our little neighborhood, Somebody had discarded a mattress and a whip on the side of the road. And a whip, like, I'm talking like like Indiana Jones, like, you know, kind of kind of whip. And I just stood there. Just, that's my story. But wondering who the hell discarded an old mattress and a whip on the side of the street and why? I, I don't know. It was just, it actually stopped me in my tracks and, and, and I don't know. It just, it weirded me out. I didn't go anywhere near it. I didn't touch it. I just ran away. So was it, was it the combination of the two items that weirded you out or was it with like, I mean, cause if I saw a mattress in the side, that's to me, that's yeah, not no, my comments. It was the mattress with the Indiana Jones kind of style whip on it. It was just someone discarded them together. It was a take, it was a it was a package deal. I might have taken the whip. I wasn't gonna touch anything. Ew. Yeah. Heck no. I mean, ooh, yeah, no. If, if only you had a black light, Megan. No, I, I yeah, no, I wasn't going anywhere near that. Like oh yeah. And do you do you remember uh I think it was it was either Hard Rock or Western States uh, that, and it was Tim Olson was ha- just had like just had a fucking was having a fucking bad day, and there's pictures of him on like a discarded mattress, and I don't know where it was on on the course, and like there was just a discarded mattress, and he's just out cold like taking a trail nap and a freaking discarded mattress in the middle of like Western States or something like that, and it's. It's one of those like iconic pictures. I'll, I'll have to send it to you if you haven't seen it. It's it's ridiculous. This, you know what you just reminded me of is um, another Infinitus story. Um, my friend Lori uh, met us at that at that at that dirt spot. You know, at that dirt spot. You know, the first aid station. And so I was I was running the eight eighty eight, and maybe this was day. So it's a ten day race. So let's say this was day eight. And I was so tired and I was, and I said to her, she met me there and she's like, what do you need? She was, she was being really nice. And I said, I just can, I'm going to curl up in the dirt 
and just lay here and sleep for a minute. She goes, Meg, she goes, I have my truck. She goes, you want to come sleep in the truck? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So I got in her truck. She has the air conditioning on. It was so hot. And she had a giant thing of toilet paper in her truck. So I used the toilet paper as a, you know, as a, uh, as a pillow and I went to sleep and I said, Lori, I said, set a timer for 10 minutes and just wake me up. And I remember laying there and I said to her, I said, could you please do me a favor? I said, would you please take a picture of me at this moment, sleeping in your truck on a package of toilet paper? I mean, I was disgusting, dirty. And I said, I hope this picture will remind me never to do anything stupid like this again. <laughs> and I have that, I have that picture. Um, I can, um, I can definitely post it, but I look at that picture and it's so sad and so pathetic, me sleeping on rolls of toilet paper, and it did not, in fact, stop me from doing stupid stuff later in life. I thought it would, but it did not. <laughs> yeah, there's um, the last day of Cocodona 250, I was traveling up and over uh, Mount Eldon, and before we got to Eldon, you're just running through these dirt trails, pretty flat, um, arguably by running. I mean, at this point, I had a, I had a really bad start to the day, and it just continued from there. It was just, I, I didn't know what was happening. So we get to one point, and I'm like, Jesse, I'm just, I'm just going to take a nap, buddy. And there's great photos of Jesse, like, selfieing himself, like, making laughing photos as I'm, like, curled up in a ball. I just on, on the side of a trail there. And then there's one I can say I, I saw those pictures and you did look dead. And Jesse, I think Jesse was drinking a beer. <laughs> so he's, dread, he's having a great time. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse <laughs> had, a, had a lot in the of background. Fun. Yep. Yeah. He said he said he said two hundreds are not for him. There's too much hiking involved and not enough running. Yeah, there is a lot of hiking. A lot of hiking. So right, I have a story that came from Bill and Bill was out mountain biking and this was, uh, maybe it was still cold. So let's say it was like three, well, it's been, it's actually chilly here today in New Hampshire, but let's say it was about three or four weeks ago. It, it was in the thirties and raining and he's mountain biking. And he said, there's nobody else out there. He's all by himself. He has the trails to himself. He really hadn't even seen anybody. And he circles around, gets to the trailhead and he was going to do the loop again and he sees two cops standing there actually fishing game cops those are the ones that those are the ones that take care of our trails and they and they stopped him and they said hey have you seen a stripper bill said what (laughs) um what are you talking about and fishing game said well we've had reports of a guy out here flashing people in the woods (laughs) bill said it's it's 30 degrees and raining and there's nobody there's nobody out here and in the fishing game officers said well we've had reports of this of this man pulling down his pants and exposing himself to people on the trails so if you see him let us know <laughs> so i guess this poor flasher was desperate for his fix and even 30 degrees in rain um didn't stop him from uh, exposing himself to whomever, whatever poor souls were out on the trail that day. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's dedication to a craft. You can't, can't fault that. 
<laughs> I mean, if you have a hobby and you're really into it, I mean, rain and cold should not stop you from doing it. <laughs> I suppose. And I, I have another write in here from Ben. Ben, ben sent me to Ben said that, and this really reminds me of Dirty Dancing. Remember in Dirty Dancing when Jennifer Grey is like all awkward and she's like, I carried a watermelon. Do you remember that? Dirty Dancing is my wife's movie, not mine. Okay, well, Carrie will remember the I carried a watermelon scene. But anyway, so Ben wrote me that he carried a watermelon for 58 out of 119 miles to raise money for a local no-kill animal shelter during a 48-hour race. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around carrying a watermelon for 58 miles. That would suck. <laughs> that would totally suck, but I'm glad he saved some animals in the process. And then Ben also wrote that he was pacing somebody, and this is a different race. They're becoming delusional in the, file, the final 80 of 100 miles a race of the race, yelling, they're in my head. They know what I'm doing. We got to go. And then said that his runner proceeded to take off down the trail sprinting and nobody was near them. Ben said he could barely keep up the pace, um, but this is the way that he finished the 100 miles. This is the way. So go paranoia. Got the got the guy through his uh his final twenty miles. Do you um do you know Michelle Roy? Have you ever heard the name? Mm-hmm. She's so I mean she's actually I mean she lives not far from you. Um and so she's was a I think I mean she's been a, a fixture in the ultra scene for quite a while. Um I think it's kind of moved on to a certain extent from that. Um but had a lot to do with the old school death race and was involved in that for a lot of years and has done several iterations of it. One year at death race, they had to carve, I think their name and number into a log and then carry it for a certain portion of the race. After that year, Michelle Roy ran I don't know how many races, but up to a hundred mile or several, like up to a hundred miles and several different race iterations of different races carrying that log for the entire race. She saved the log. She saved the log and carried it at different races. I, my, one of my, my first ultra <laughs> was uh Seth's fat ass 50 K, which is a, which is a five K loop in a park in Springfield, Massachusetts. And she was at that race carrying the log for all 50K. Hmm. So one of the takeaways from this podcast, and both you and I are sober. So with that said, we really don't need alcohol or drugs because we have running. <laughs> I, and I'll be honest, to a certain extent, I kind of, I mean, I kind of miss, I miss the, some of the insanity of the sport. I feel like it has trended more serious the longer I've been in it. And that might be just my aspects of like my personal take on it. Um, but yeah, I miss a little bit of that insanity. I don't have, like I said, I haven't had real hallucinations um, in years. The closest thing I had was I had some at Cocodona where I would see, see 
faces in some some of like the ground cover and rocks mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, you know, you though on. over the over the past few years, and I don't know how long I don't know how long we've known each other. We might have figured it out at one time, but I forgot. But you have gotten very, very, very serious about your racing in the past few years. And and it's good. I mean, you know, it, it allows for, it definitely allows for a lot of success. Um, my take on this, and I think it's because I've been running for most of my life, is that I have to have fun. So I think, you know, like my Matthew McConaughey imitation from Magic Mike, you know, that dance, I can do that. You know, stick it. Stick it. Remember, and he's teaching him how to strip dance. Um, you know, I I'll dance on the trails. I'll sing. I I. I all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. You remember that scene though, where he's oh, teaching I that guy. I haven't seen Magic <laughs> Mike. What's wrong with you? You have you have to you big fat liar. You I have, have not. Seen. I have not okay. seen Magic Mike. That is the greatest scene. All right, after. I'm not I into, thought I I'm, did that. Apparently, I'm not into dancing movies, Megan. That's that's over two for dancing. Oh, it's movies. not a really. It's not a dancing movie. It's just a movie about men that don't have their clothes on. It was. I was training a group um, in West Hartford. We had a. I don't remember what race we were training for. We were doing hill repeats um, over at Penwood, and the group was just destroyed. You know that that initial hill on Penwood to repeat is is a lot, and I think the group got really down. So at one point when everybody was at the base of the climb, I started doing that. Um, Matthew McConaughey, let me teach you how to strip tease dance, which is if you've seen the movie, you'll know how skeevy Matthew McConaughey's character is and how funny it actually is. But it lightened up the mood of the group that I was training and everybody finished their, everybody finished their hill repeats. And we were laughing about that. So it works. Anything to anything to keep this fun and to keep my head in a place of in everybody else's too in a place of enjoyment. I got to do it. Oh, I get it. I get it. It is. It is supposed to. Be. I just. I think, like I said, aside from my personal, um, my personal take on racing, I think there's. I think racing as a whole is, in the ultra world has gotten a lot more serious than. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not going to buy it. We, we have to have fun. I'm not going into that. I'm super serious. I mean, that's one of the reasons I stopped doing triathlons because I remember being at a, at a triathlon, I was in Bridgeport, I was in Bridgeport, Connecticut and, and lining up next to people and their kits, their kits and their bikes and their gear. And everyone was like, basically just, you know, bragging about this and that. And, and I just was like, I just don't care, man. I just, I just want to swim, bike and run. And that's what I appreciate about ultra running that if it's cold and you put on a garbage bag to keep warm, everyone's going to be like, okay, cool. But I mean, could you imagine somebody running in a garbage bag (laughs) at a triathlon? I mean, your, your kit and your bike have to match. And, and when I was doing triathlons, there was this one that I did every week. It was sort of like a fun run. And they started the women's heat um, like a minute before the men's, which never made any sense to me because that just means the men are going to start 
some of the men are going to start catching the women. But I remember just being passed on my bike because I wasn't a really strong cyclist at the time, being passed on my bike and looking at the bikes that some of these men were riding and thinking, that bike costs more than my car, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like that is that was insanity to me. I mean, oh, this whole thing is insanity, but the thing that strikes me as insanity, like me, Megan, <laughs> is, is riding a bike that costs more than my car. It, it, seeing John Lennon in the woods and having somebody, having somebody's puke roll back on their face, like this makes sense, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I draw the line at bikes that cost like a, cost as much as a car do. What, car if, what, if, what if you had a mountain bike that costs as much as a car? It's same thing. Same thing. It's just, because I am not at that place in cycling. And frankly, I've never cycled with anybody that's that good that needs a bike that's that expensive because realistically it's going to cut a couple seconds. It's going to cut, you know, cut a couple seconds off, you know, off your mile time, which is, which is great. And I, I appreciate that if you're at that level, but most people aren't at a level where that really matters. Um, at least not, at least not in my circle. And I'm, I'm a really, I'm a strong bike rider. I'm, I'm pretty good. And I have, I have a bunch of bikes. I have a, but and they're expensive bikes, but they don't cost as much as my car. So I always, I always like the fact that someone will spend fucking three hundred dollars on a titanium part that'll save them half an ounce when they could just stop eating mm-hmm. Snickers, Snickers bars at lunch and lose a pound. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You're like, like, what are you? Ah, fucking whatever. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever, yeah. Whatever, I guess whatever your bliss is. Yeah. Find your joy, Sean. Find so, your joy. So. So I will share, um, I will share a personal shitting story. This is one of, uh, one of my, one are of all my, your stories, all your stories are about poop. I got, I got a lot. I, that's, that's, that the, the, the two users that are my friends that submitted stories to me, both involved, um, feces of some sort. And then my, <laughs> and then you said, you said, if you're not worried about telling poop stories when we, when we discuss oh, this episode gosh. and I was like, well, I got some of those for sure. So the i was Bring out it. i was out on Bring a it. i was out on a run in um in this in a suburban neighborhood and it was winter time sunday morning yeah i think it was, it was sunday or saturday morning early and i'm running and it becomes like very apparent that I'm, i i have to go and there's there's nowhere like it's wintertime, right? So there's no no bushes, no trees, no no leaves, no coverage, no nothing, right? There's there is you and lots of open space and houses everywhere. And so I'm like, all right, well like let's try and hold it together. I'm definitely not making it back home. I'm not making it to the nearest business. I'm not making it. And I'm like, all right, well there's there's a church up here. And so I was like, churches are like almost always open. Like they leave their doors unlocked. It's, it's either, I think it was, like I said, I'm not sure if it was Sunday morning or Saturday morning, but it was pretty early. I was like, okay, like I'll go and go and use the church's restroom. So I like go to the door of the church, it's locked in a door. I go to another door, it's locked. I go to another door, it's locked. I go, I like, the church was a circle church and I like circled all around checking every door, trying to get in. And every single door was locked. And I was like, what am I going to do? And so the only thing that I could do was dip off in the church parking lot, 
and like there was a snowbank that was by a dumpster. <laughs> oh God, Sean. And I and I dug a little hole in the snowbank. <laughs> Dug a hole, you know, snow melts, right? And poop, well, matter. at that point, it does. It, it, but I, 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 I pooped in a little hole in the snowbank. Used, used snow to, to clean myself up, and uh, co- covered covered my hole up, and then uh, went about my the rest of my run. But what are, what are you going to do? I mean, there's, right. there's not a lot of options in that realm. <laughs> You reminded me, I actually do have a, a, it's a bathroom story. It's not a pooping story. It's a bathroom story. And I actually forgot about this until you started talking about the church. We were, um, I was on my way up to run Rock the Ridge, the 50 miler in upstate New York. I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I I just had to pee. And it was really early morning. And um, it's a very rural area that this race is in, nothing was open. Like it, it'll say 24 hour McDonald's and the drive through is open, but there's no, like you can't go into McDonald's. There's nothing. So I'm getting really desperate. I'm thinking I'm totally going to pee my pants. We finally, um, my friend that was driving me, we see a gas station. I'm like, Oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I like sprint into the gas station and, um, and then I see it's one of those bathrooms that's on the outside that you need to get the key in. And I see a family go into this bathroom and it was like a mom, a dad and two kids. So cool. So I go to, I walk into the gas station attendant. I said, I really need to use your bathroom. Um, I'll just grab the key from that family and I'll bring it right back in. Now I'm in my racing gear. Okay. Dressed like I'm going to run a race. The guy looks at me and he goes, no, not you. And, And I went, what? I didn't know what he was talking about. He goes, not you. He goes, you people. He goes, you people go into my bathroom and you shoot up your drugs and you think it's cool. You cannot shoot up drugs in my bathroom. I went, I I, I don't shoot up drugs. I said, I just have to go to the bathroom. And I said, I'm not shooting up any drugs. And he goes, get out of my, get out of my store, get out of my store. You don't shoot up drugs in my bathroom anymore. And I go, I walk back out, I get in the car and my friend looks at me. She goes, well, aren't you going to use the bathroom? I said, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> and she goes, what? I go, I just got yelled up. I just got yelled at because the guy thought I wanted to go shoot up drugs in his bathroom. I said, do I look like somebody that's about to shoot up drugs? <laughs> she goes, um, no. She goes, I don't know what that really looks like, but he won't let you use the bathroom. I said, no, he won't let me use the bathroom. So we had to drive away and, and I ended up just, I ended up finding, finding another place, but still to this day, I apparently look like somebody that was about to shoot up heroin in this guy's bathroom. I don't know why you didn't just pee on his wall behind his store. At that point, that's what I would have done. Um, We ended up, we ended because I was afraid he was, he was so mad. I was afraid he was going to call the cops on me. That's why I left. Like I was just, and I was also shocked, like too shocked to even process what was going on because I've never been yelled at for shooting up drugs in a bathroom. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, so yeah, I, I, so I do technically have a bathroom story. That's my bath. That's my bathroom story. Not as good as the snowbank behind the dumpster at the church. (laughs) Now, I do have I do have a another hallucination story and it's one of mine, but I feel like I should tell it. I don't remember it, 
I don't know that this actually happened, but our friend Sarah swears by it. And she talks about it all the time. She was pacing me on a loop up in Vermont. And apparently I was telling her as you know, we have to cross, you know, cross a couple little streams that you can just jump over. And maybe there was like a little bridge or two that we had to go over. And she kept telling me how I was going on and on about the trolls that live in this section of woods. And apparently when one crossed these bridges or these little streams, the trolls came out and you had to pay the toll to the trolls. So, and, and I guess Sarah was like, what are you talking about? But it was something that I kept saying every time we had to jump over one of these streams, I go, got to pay the trolls. (laughs) And then we were talking about it. I think in prep for this. Have you ever seen uh, always, do you ever watch always sunny in Philadelphia? Uh-uh, no. <laughs> so, for anyone that's listening to this podcast that does, if your brain was not triggered to, you have to pay the troll toll to get into this little boy's hall. We'll no, like, no, we'll, no. There's, there's, there is, <laughs> there is a, 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 a freaking Charlie, one of the characters, wrote a play, a musical called the Nightman Cometh, and that was like one of the songs that Danny DeVito had to sing was like he was the troll in it and that was part of like his line. So every time you said you had to pay the troll, the troll that lives under the bridge, that's what went well, right through my head. I asked I asked Sarah a couple weeks ago, I said, Well, how was I paying the troll? Like we didn't have money on us. What did we do? She said she said that she asked me that question. Again, I have no memory of this. She asked me that question, and I said that they take leaves, rocks, and dirt as payment. Seems about fair. Seems about right. Like, like why do we need to give them the leaves, rocks, and dirt? Can't they just pick it up on their own? And Sarah said, at that point, I wasn't asking any questions. She said I was very willing to pay the trolls the necessary price so we could cross and finish that loop. (laughs) Now, you guys have told the story about seeing a zebra Oh, while, yes. While, oh, okay. while, while crewing for me for Vermont. Now, I do not know if that is a true story or if it you is. guys were, in fact, okay. hallucinating. All right. So to set the stage, Sarah and I were crewing for you. Also, your wife, Carrie, and her sister. And so Sarah and I were out in the beginning, and then we were met by your wife and, and sister-in-law. And... So Sarah and I had been driving and doing this for, let's say, half a day. And this Vermont 100, I've crewed a lot of races. Vermont 100 was by far the hardest race I've ever crewed. And it wasn't because of you. It wasn't because of anything. It was because the directions, the driving directions were so horrific. And anybody in that car. Stop, stop, stop. Don't even go there. I'm going to say anybody. Ask your wife. Ask your wife or your sister-in-law. Okay. The, the directions, and actually I talked to Sam, our other coach, who coach, you know, our other endurance now coach, and he said the same thing. He's like, oh my God, no, those directions, the driving directions were the worst just, I've ever seen. It would say, stop, nice. it would say, it would say, Sam is nice. It would say something like, drive a mile, turn at XYZ street, and we'd drive a mile and the street wasn't there. And we, and you can't use GPS in that area that we, you can use, it just doesn't work. 
So anyway, we were driving around lost, the four of us, for a long time. And then we finally, it it was just so frustrating. And all four, well, I'm driving and the other three in the car, everybody's trying to get their GPS on to figure out where the fuck we are. Because these, I mean, we're just, the directions were so horrific. I've never encountered that kind of situation. But anyway, so we finally figure out where we're going. I don't even, I have no clue where we were. And we're driving down this road and the other three women in the car go, oh, my God, look at that farm to the left. And so they're looking. I'm driving. I'm not missing the next turn. I am so focused. And I'm like, guys, I need to pay attention. And they're like, oh, my God, they're zebras. And I and I turned my head real quick. And this farm did. We looked up on a hill. There were zebras. And then I think it was Carrie, your wife. She goes, oh, my God, and look, there's a rainbow. So there's this, there's this farm, and it had zebras. There's a rainbow over it. And I'm like, guys, I can't look. I literally did not want to take my eyes off the road for fear of missing another turn. And they're all freaking out in the back seat. This is the coolest thing we've ever seen, zebras and rainbows. And I think it was me. And I said, guys, it's not all zebras and rainbows. So that saying, that saying zebras and rainbows has stuck ever since that race. Anytime life is good, we're like, damn, that's zebras and rainbows. Or if it's a really bad day, we'll go, shit, it can't all be zebras and rainbows. <laughs> it just, it just makes us laugh. And that growing that race was such a challenge. And Sarah and I, we had never met. And Sarah's one of my best friends now. I love her with all of my heart. I mean, you know me, I'm not a hugger. I'm not a super like lovey-dovey, you know, girly kind of person. And at one point, you know, so she and I bonded quickly because this, you know, we were very similar and we got lost and we were so stressed about missing you. And this was one of the points where you really needed us. You were perseverating and you were very worried about this one particular spot because you thought you were going to be weighed. And you didn't want to get kicked out of the race. So we knew how important it was for us to be there, for you to have your stuff. We couldn't find the freaking place. Uh, We didn't know where we were supposed to meet you. That's the good old days when they used to weigh you at races. Yes. Yeah. And so when we got there. Before science. Yes, exactly. Before science. (laughs) And we got there. We finally found where we were going. Now, mind you, we're lugging this cooler, this piece of shit cooler. And I have this fantasy still, like like the movie Office Space. I want to smash your cooler. I want to smash it and just pound it. Like like in that movie when they take the printer out and smash it. it we hated that cooler so much. And anyway, so we finally get there. We're lugging this cooler. And I looked, I turned to Sarah. I'm almost in tears. I was so stressed because we finally made it. We knew you were going to be okay. I looked at her and I said, I think I need a hug. <laughs> and we just, and we hugged. And we, like, and we just hugged. And we're like, that was really hard. And Sarah's like, yes, that's. That was really hard. And then, so we go to walk away from that aid station. We're like, just get us out of here. And I start rolling the cooler away. And all of a sudden, we ha- this cooler is just great. Like, we don't, we're not having any more problems with the cooler. The wheels work. The handles work. And I realized we stole somebody else's cooler. <laughs> and so I, Sarah's like, oh, my God, Meg, that's not our cooler. 
and we're like, what do we do? We're like, it's better than ours. We should, we should keep it. And we're like, no, we can't do that because some racer is going to be without their stuff. And also, Sarah's like, somebody else is going to be stuck with that piece of shit fucker of a cooler. And, and they're just going to have a miserable day. So we went back, found those people. And we apologized. We said, look, we, we accidentally took your cooler. Here's, and they didn't know. They hadn't even moved. They were still in the same spot. So, But we had a few moments where we just wheeled away after we hugged. The cooler was working just fine. It was rolling. It was a moment. And then we realized it wasn't our cooler. I just, so, want, yes. let, I just want to let you know that cooler works perfectly fine. I've used it at cooler a billion different I'm gonna, places. So can one day. One gonna, day, I'm can I bring, can I just bring, smash I'm, it? I'm, I'm bringing it to Vermont this year to crew for other people with that cooler. I'm just gonna that cooler. Just I want to smash it. I want you to play. I want you to play like Sarah listens to nasty, disgusting rap music. Like really, not that rap music is disgusting, but the stuff that Sarah listens to is pretty foul. We're gonna like blast some of Sarah's rap music and just smash that thing. Like I would get a sledgehammer. I would jump on it. I would punch it. Like all my frustrations in life. If we could just smash your cooler, I'm gonna take it would ho- be... I'm going to take hundreds of pictures of me with that cooler, <laughs> cooler. at Vermont 100 this year and be like, I have no problems. I feel it's, like – I feel that cooler – You're was saying a, that now. You're saying that now. 100% you know at the moment, error. It's all – oh, yeah. No. Because there's four of us. So if it was me by myself, I might question reality and go, maybe I was just tired. But you can talk to all four of us. And we had the same story about that. But see, so we had moments in that race where, yes, it was zebras and rainbows. And then we had other moments where we were almost crying and we're like, it's not all zebras and rainbows, man. I mean, you guys did miss me at the first aid station 20 miles in. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember that one. That's... Sarah was reading the map. And that's why and you always pack drop bags. Lesson yep. learned, if anyone mm-hmm. always, knows. Always, 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 always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, cause shit happens. Always. Never never rely on anyone when you can rely on yourself. And, yep. And I have one more hallucination story to take us out. Do you have any more stories? Uh, no, I probably could make up. I, well, I could tell you more pooping stories if you were so inclined. But <laughs> I think we, Sean, we may, Sean, I've had about enough of your shit. <laughs> that's exactly right. I am full of shit. So when I was racing, um, I had this race that I do around uh, Mount St. Helens. Um, and so I was running that race. And first, I took the most epic digger running down a hill. This this isn't part of the hallucination story, but I took this most epic digger and I actually fell and did a somersault, like sort of like a somersault flip in the air, landed flat on my back. And the guy in back of me, I knew it was bad because he goes, whoa, are you OK? And and I laid there. I go, I'm fine. I'm actually I was totally fine. Nothing hurt. I landed in a big pile of moss, like the biggest pile of Oregon moss so soft so thick it was like it was like doing a flip and landing on a mattress and i got up and i was like i was covered in moss it was like in my hair in my like in my ears everything and the guy's like that was epic i'm like i know right like so anyway during that race um i started seeing things hanging from the trees and i thought they were people it was you, you know how they put those little glow sticks from the trees 
so you can see so you can see where you're going but it was really windy so the trees and the glow sticks were moving and after a while i think those glow sticks morphed into shaggy and scooby and at one point i went up to a tree and i'm like kind of touching and massaging the tree cuz i thought shaggy was hanging from a tree and i was like what why is she? and Scooby was there too? Scooby was with him, and I just couldn't figure it out. And I stood there in front of the tree, literally stopped running, was looking at the looking at the leaves, and then I realized that Shaggy wasn't there, and I was just in fact insane and hallucinating, and went on running and I kept kind of seeing the same hallucination, but I had this, I knew I was hallucinating and I'm like, Shaggy and Scooby, you're not there. Those are just glow sticks. Those are just glow sticks hanging from the trees. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So Shaggy and Scooby were not in fact hanging from the trees in the remote forest of Oregon, even though it appeared. So. Yeah. I've Yes. I've seen things hanging from trees before, but not Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> I just wonder where these where these things come from. Like, I mean, I haven't watched Scooby-Doo in many, many years, but it's funny. You just think about all these things, you know, John Lennon sitting as a gargoyle stalking me on the trail or whatever. Like, who knows? The mind is the mind is a bizarre bizarre place that I think we don't understand. And when we push ourselves to the edge, weird stuff comes up. I think you just have early onset dementia. I I could, I could, but you know what? It really makes things interesting. And out of these stories that, you know, that we've told, I, I think I have, I mean, I have a story a day, you know, just ask, you know, if you ask me at the end of the day, Hey Meg, what happened to you today? Some things always happen to me. Um, I see things, things happen around me and I don't know. Life is, life is just weird. I have a very poor memory. If I haven't told you a story that after immediately after it had happened or you weren't there and then able to tell me the story months and months later, I would completely forget that anything ever happened. I know most of the stories that I have told personally about me have been because other people have brought them up continuously later in life after I've told the story to them initially mm-hmm. makes life well, easy you always forget the pain megan just go on about life <laughs> and and we keep doing this stuff we keep going back for more it's i've never had a hallucination that scared me i mean shaggy hanging from a tree was a little disarming um but it, nothing and i didn't appear to be scared of the trolls I was very angry at John Lennon, um, but I don't think I've ever had a hallucination that was bad, like really bad or really, you know, really disturbing. Not not yet. Anyway. Um, You know, I was John Harris and I were talking about this the other day. I don't know why it came up, but this was not a hallucination. I ran a trail race in Florida and just is Florida. Weird stuff happens in Florida, but I was. I was running down the trail and all of a sudden I see a cat in front of me, a cat, like, like a house cat. And I thought I was hallucinating. I, for a second, I'm like, I sort of look around. I'm like, I wasn't tired. It was, 
it wasn't, it was a 12 hour race. Maybe I was six hours in kind of looking around. And then I see this couple come out of a trailhead, like perpendicular to the one I was on. And I said, did you see a cat on the trail? And I felt like a crazy person for even saying that. And they were like, oh yeah, that's our cat. He hikes with us. And okay. And I was like, all right. I said, that's a little weird. They're like, well, yeah. People hike (laughs) people hike with their their trail cats in in Florida. But the cat doesn't run off. The cat doesn't like people people bring their cockatoos into Home Depot in Vermont. That's true. True. And in that same race, a bat hit me in the neck. Like like an like a bat, like that flies, not a bat, not like a baseball bat. But I remember I got hit in the neck by a bat. Also, I was running and I turned the corner and there was this owl right at face height, like right next to me, whoo, right in my face. I was like, okay. And then I also remember stopping at one point. I was running by myself and the ground was glowing and moving and it just seemed weird. And I, I was going to like sit down or fix something or do, but I just decided not to because the ground was glowing and moving. And then I caught up with two other people that were running and I said, Hey, kind of a weird question, not hallucinating or anything. I had to preface it with that, but I said, the ground back there was glowing and moving. Did you guys see that? And they're like, Oh yeah, those are baby banana spiders. I was going to say spiders. Yeah. Their eyes glow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, then they're like, Oh, and there were, there must've been thousands, thousands. And had I known when I was standing there, but then I finished that race going, Freaking Florida is really weird. And that was the first race that I did. Um, It was, I don't know, I don't know how long, but it was the first race I did after the bike crash five years ago. So it was sort of like my comeback race. And I I did really well and I was really happy with my performance. But I just kind of, I remember talking to, talking to John and, and our, and our friends after the race going, Florida's really weird. Like, does this stuff happen all the time? Because, like, got hit by a bat in the neck. I saw a cat on the trail. I see a glowing trail, and there's an owl like right at my face. Like, it's and they're like, yeah, it's Florida. It happens. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> so I don't. Do we have any more stories, or is that it? Um, I always have stories, but I think we need to. I think we need to wrap it up. But it was nice to have a lighthearted um, look at at this stupid stuff we do. It really is. It really is stupid, but I think this stuff keeps it fun. Yeah. And if, um, if there's anyone out there listening and they're interested in sharing their stories with us, we would love to have them. We'll probably do this again. Hopefully we have uh, some other different stories to share with people and, uh, we'll go from there. And as we continue to race, we'll just get new ones. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, (laughs) I think you're, you're taking us out with a song this week. What are you taking us out with Meg? I am. It's a song um, called Alabama by Cross Canadian Ragweed. I love this song. And Cross Canadian Ragweed broke up. Um, They are no longer, but Cody Canada um, in The Departed still sing this song. And it's one of those songs. It's it's pretty old. Um, I can't I can't remember the year. Forgive me. I didn't do uh, didn't do enough research, but it's one of those songs. that's pretty old. I don't think I'd heard it in a long time. And then I was watching 
um, a video of Cody Canada in concert and he was singing that song and it just, you know, the, how those songs bring back memories. And at that concert, his voice sounded so stellar singing this song. And it just reminded me that, you know, how much I love the song and how much of a good song it was. So, Hey, Sean, I know you'll love it. It's your kind of jam. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so on that note, on that note, please, um, the the podcasts are, are out now. We have a number of podcasts out. Please subscribe. Please rank us. Please write a review. We always appreciate it. Um, Sean and I are all over social media, or you can find us on the website. And hey, if you need coaching, guess what? I know three coaches that are excellent. And, and I think in our, in our coaching company, we have three very distinct personalities that that really do match up with, you know, pretty much whatever anybody needs. So reach out to us. Um, We're happy to work with you and hope you enjoy the song. Later, Sean. Later, Meg. She picked up the telephone All she heard was downtown Really thought she heard it rain this time What am I thinking? I must be only dreaming Maybe it's a hundred times it crossed my mind Just tonight Maybe I miss your loving Maybe I miss your kiss Just a little bit Maybe I miss your body Line I licks to mine Baby, I miss your touch A little too much Tossing and turning The skin still burning From the fire in his hands Running on empty She needs somebody But somebody Wouldn't understand The telephone rings Maybe I miss your loving Maybe I miss your kiss Just a little bit Maybe I miss your body Like I listen mine Maybe I miss your touch The way she always smiled Are you coming back soon By the harvest moon If I have to walk every mile On my knees Baby, I miss your loving Baby, I miss your kiss 
Just a little bit Maybe I miss your body Line and licks to mine Maybe I miss your touch A little too much Maybe I miss your love man Maybe I miss your lips Just a little bit Maybe I miss your body Line and licks to mine Maybe I miss your touch A little too much Little tumor